week three of our series Legacy, and um, uh, which we're talking about living beyond ourselves. And I believe it's never been God's intention that our life would just be all about ourselves. I believe it's been God's intention that our life would be about impacting and ministering to others. Y'all agree with that? That might be the word that God wanted you to hear right there. It's not about us. It's really not about us. It's about God, isn't it? Whenever you come into Christianity, it quits. It's no longer about us. It's about God. It's about him and his agenda. Is that right, gang? That's what it's about. God put us on this earth to make a lasting difference. He put us on this earth to make an impact with our life. Every one of us has a destiny in the inside of us. For us to fulfill, a destiny for us to fulfill, a contribution for us to make. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 says, Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. Everyone gets in on it. Everybody gets to be a part of what God's doing. Isn't that great? You know, we said a legacy is something that is handed down by predecessor to the next generation. And where we're standing right now, we're leaving a legacy, either good or bad. And, and, and this whole series about, let's leave a good legacy. Let's leave a positive impact. Amen? How many of you think that's a good idea right there? So how do you leave behind a good, lasting legacy? Well, remember last week we said, to leave a lasting legacy, you have to keep two things in mind. Or two weeks ago we talked about this. You have to keep two things in mind. First of all, you have to keep the compass in mind. And the compass speaks of vision and direction. You know, when you're in the woods and you're hunting and, and you get in the middle of the woods, you don't really know some, you, you get, you get messed up and you don't know which way home is. You don't know which way out of the woods is. But if you have a compass, you will always know which way to go. A compass is meant to give us vision and to give us direction. The compass speaks of knowing where you're going in life, knowing what you want to achieve in life. And it's important that we know that. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. When you don't have a vision, you're like the chihuahua chasing your tail in a circle, right? So we all need vision. We need to know where we're going. But not only do we need the compass, but we also need the clock, the compass and the clock. And the clock speaks of time and priorities. And the clock speaks of knowing how are you going to spin your life? And so, you know, the, the, the compass is, is, is where you're going and the clock is what you're doing. What are you going to do with your life? How are you going to spin your days? And we got to keep those two connected. Ephesians 5, 15 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Do you know you can squander your life? You can waste your life. Remember, that's what happened to the prodigal son. He squandered the inheritance. How many of you know life is, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's valuable. Amen? Come on, y'all agree with that? Life is precious. Amen? And then listen, if we're going to reach our destiny and leave our legacy, we have to figure out how to spend our time and our days. Because if you don't know where you're going, and figure out how you're going to spend your life, 
you're not going to get where you want to go. And you're not going to leave that lasting legacy. Now, last week we talked about one great way to invest your life is we should, if you want to leave a lasting legacy, you should consider spending uh, your time developing meaningful relationships. I believe you can't go wrong there whenever you invest your life in building meaningful relationships. Why should we spend our time building relationships? Because nothing has the greatest potential to destroy your legacy like bad relationships. And nothing has the best potential of of growing and impacting your legacy like great relationships. Amen? Come on, how many of you would agree with that? It's about relationships. And so listen, we should ask ourselves this question. When our life is over, whose life will be better off as a result of the meaningful relationships that I have built? In other words, whose life will be better because of the way we lived our life? You see, most of society, they're not worried about the next generation. They're not worried about anybody else. They're just worried about themselves. But listen, if we want to live beyond ourselves, we have to invest in relationships. I believe it's impossible to leave a lasting legacy without building meaningful relationships. You know, I tell you, one of the saddest things that I've ever, that I, that I experience in life is whenever I'm doing a funeral of somebody that I don't know and there's four or five people in the funeral parlor. There's no, there's nobody there. There's nobody there to celebrate their home going. And it grieves my heart that there's not more people there to celebrate this life that was lived. And that isn't it a great blessing when, when the room is not big enough to pack in everybody that's been impacted. By somebody that lived their life well. Come on, that's the best way, isn't it? If you want to spend your life well, you want to keep the clock in mind, invest in relationships. But let me give you another way that I think is another wise way of spending your life in order to build a lasting legacy. Not only should we build meaningful relationships, but number two, we should invest our life in service to God. How many of you think that's a good investment? Come on. I need to get you on the program. How many of you think that's a good investment? Invest in your life in service to God. How many of you know you can't go wrong if you live your life in service to God? Just like relationships. You're not going to get to the end of your life and say, man, I regret serving God. Man, I regret living for God. I regret trying to serve the master. How many of you know when you get to the end of your life, that's whenever you're going to realize how important it is that you live for the master. Amen. Now, let me give you four good reasons to invest your life in service to God. Reason number one is we fulfill the purpose for which God created us. Did you know that God created you for the purpose of serving him? You know, some people are saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what God's purpose is for my life. Well, let me help you out a little bit today. God's purpose. God created you to serve him. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's the purpose of God creating us? We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen? Now listen, it seems that everything that God created does what God created it to do. Except humanity. Whenever you think about it, God created birds to fly and to chirp. What do birds do? They fly and they chirp. God created fish to swim, staying, living in the water. What do fish do? 
They swim in the water. They stay in the water. God created seeds to reproduce and multiply. What do seeds do? They reproduce and multiply. God created fruit trees to produce fruit. What do they do? They produce fruit. And then there is humans. When it comes to humans, the only part of God's creation that's given the free will to do whatever they want, we seem to struggle with just doing what God created us to do. How many of you think it would be a bad life for a fish to try flying around chirping? That'd be bad. You know, whenever you do what God created you to do, that's the best way to live your life. Amen. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Not to receive good works, for good works. God created us to do good to others, to good, do good deeds. And listen, when we do good works, when we serve others, when we reach out to others, you know what we're really doing? Is we're really serving God. Listen, so when you do good works and serve others, we are really serving God and fulfilling the purpose that God created us for. So listen, if you do, how many of you know the bird's best life will be to fly in the chirp? That would be the best thing for him to do. Man, bird, don't try swimming. (laughs) That's going to be a bad life. The best thing for him to do is to fly and chirp. Amen. How many of you know the best thing for us to do is do what God created us to do? Amen. So listen, Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. Now here's the point. God created each of us with a special work. And when we invest our lives in serving others, we're fulfilling the special work and the purpose for which we were created. Does that make sense? So why do some people even come to church, but their life is miserable? Because they're not doing what God created them to do. You can be a, you can have, you know, you could be the top 10 in the attendance of going to church and be miserable until you start doing what God created you to do. God didn't create you to just attend church. God created you to serve others. Amen. Come on. I need a better amen this morning. Y'all help me out here. Okay, a second good reason to invest your life in service to God is to fulfill your calling or ministry as a Christian. Ephesians 1 and 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what the hope of his calling is. Did you know that every Christian has been saved and called by God to serve others? Every Christian. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. And so God saved us for his holy work. You know what that's called? That's called ministry. God has called us for ministry. Amen. Listen, we're not saved by service or by works. But how many of you know we're saved for service or for works? Amen. Listen, you can't earn your way to heaven, but God saved you so you could do something for him. God saved us so we can minister. As Christians, we should remember this. We all have a special calling and ministry to fulfill in building God's kingdom. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 4.11. And he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why did he give us the fivefold ministry? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. 
Now, that's not people that are canonized. The Bible says saints are Christians. If you read the Gospels, at the beginning of every one of the, the New Testament uh, the epistles, you'll see to the saints that are in Ephesus, to the saints that are in Corinth. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. I know your mama might say different, but the Bible says you are. Amen. Amen. And so listen. So what did he do? He gave all these gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We've all been called into ministry by God to build up the body of Christ. Come on, listen. We're all called in the ministry. Let me ask you a question. How many ministers do we have here at Family Life Church? Well, let's see. There's Pastor Kelly. There's Pastor Brandon. And we typically think of it in that way. But no, let me ask another question. How many Christians do we have in family life at the nine o'clock service this morning? Let me see your hands. That's how many ministers we have in church this morning. Every Christian is a minister. Every Christian, you are a minister in the kingdom of God. Amen. God has called us to be ministers. What is the ministry God has called you to? Well, I believe God has called every one of us to at least two ministries. The first ministry is this. God has called all of us to minister in the ministry of serving others. God has called us to put the towel over our arm and go serve somebody. Come on. You remember that song? You got to serve somebody. I don't remember who did it, but I just, it just came to me. You got to serve somebody. Some, one of these rock and roll guys that sang, you know, wrote this song. You got to serve somebody. Come on, church. We got to serve somebody. I'm not sure you're hearing this. I think it's not registering. But let me say it again. Church, we got to serve somebody. Come on, we got to serve somebody. Amen. We got to serve somebody. That's our calling. That's our created purpose. And the more we do that, the more blessed we'll be. Listen what 1 Peter 4.10 says. God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has gifted every one of us with a spiritual gift. Every last one of us has a spiritual gift. And God says, employ it in serving one another. And if we use our gift in serving other people, we can leave a lasting legacy. But number two, the second purpose or ministry God has called us to is God has called us to the ministry of evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. Yes, you are. If you're a Christian, you are an evangelist. You might not be the one that stands behind a pulpit and spits on the people while he's preaching hard. But you are an evangelist. God gave you a holy, high calling to be an evangelist. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. I like the way it says it in the message. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work for making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. We are Christ's representatives to a lost world. Say, well, I don't want to. Tough luck. If you're a Christian, you are his representative. And God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and get right with God. If you know, if we did a survey here, how many of you got saved because you had a family member, you had a friend invited you to church and it had something to do with the influence of another one? Most everybody in here would raise their hands. 
Because that's how God is winning the world, is through people. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. The first Bible people read is the Bible we live out. The first gospel they hear is the gospel we live out. We are the bridge. We are the voice. We're all called to evangelism. Are y'all hearing me today? Are y'all receiving this today? It's not an option. It's not an option. It's really not. Here's the option. Be a Christian and be an evangelist or not be a Christian and be an evangelist for the other side. Which way you want to go? I would rather be an evangelist for God. I kind of read all of the book and it ain't good where the other evangelist is going. Come on. How many of y'all out there? Okay. So listen, when you truly understand your role as a Christian to change somebody's eternity, that should make us feel very special and privileged. Come on, Amy. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, when you have the privilege of opening somebody the door and you say, come, come on, right on in. It's a privilege. I just helped this person. They didn't even have to expend the energy. But how many of you know, whenever you have the privilege of opening the door for somebody to step into eternity, my friends, that's a privilege. My friends, that's the greatest honor you can ever have in life. But you know what? I wonder if we fully understand the gravity of that. I wonder if we really get it. If we really got it, I think we would be motivated to do everything in our power to open the door for somebody. Amen? So listen, you know, some of you probably saw this on Facebook or heard about it. I heard it was posted on Facebook. But a couple, two, three weeks ago, I had the privilege of... uh, of helping somebody that lost their leg. There was an accident that happened right across the street from my house. Tony was outside, heard the crash, heard the guy screaming, and uh, came in the house. And I went out there. Whenever I got there, he was laying on the ground, and his leg was severed. And um, I, I actually thought he wouldn't survive. And so, But he was totally conscious. He was talking to me. And uh, so I said, man, I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk. But right now would be a good time to get right with God. And so he did. And we prayed together. And he, he asked God to forgive him his sins. And, um, and we prayed and asked God to spare his life. I didn't think he was going to make it. But he made it. And he's recovering today. Amen. But, you know, I was thinking about this later and it's like, man, you know, maybe I should have been more concerned about him bleeding out and not praying with him. But in the context of what we're talking about, what's more important to help to help save somebody's physical life or help them get prepared for eternity? Which one which one is more important? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew sixteen twenty six, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is there anything? Hey, listen, eternity is a long time. How long? We don't really have a clue, but it's very, very long. You know, somebody said, you know, if you took a little, a little teaspoon and tried to empty out the ocean, whenever you got done, that would be the beginning of eternity. Eternity is a long time. And I wonder if we fully understand the gravity of helping change somebody's eternity. And God has called us to help people open the door. What a great privilege. So we're called to do one thing. 
Or two things. Number one, serve others. But number two, we're called to be evangelists. You remember the story Jesus told about the rich man and the poor man who was hungry and the rich man would have nothing to do with him? And Jesus tells this story and a short time later, they both died and they ended up in two different places. The rich man in a bad place and the poor man in a good place. I want to read it because I think it does us good to read this passage of Scripture. Because we need the gravity of what we're dealing with here. In Matthew, in or Luke 16, 19, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was, splen- who was splendidly clothed in purple fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham and the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here. No one can cross over from uh, to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least... Send him to my father's home. Now the guy's worried about his family. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead... Then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. And think if we could pull somebody out of hell and say, preach to us this morning. It's basically what we're getting in this story. How How many of you know there's a lot in the balance between heaven and hell? Come on, read, read Revelation 20 and 21. Read the difference. But this story helps us realize the importance of the value God places on each of us as Christians that he would use us to change somebody's eternity. Think about this. What a privilege. You know, you might meet somebody and they say, I'm a doctor. Well, great. I'm an evangelist. And I get to change people's eternity. You might meet somebody and say, I'm a rock star. And I load up coliseums with thousands of people. And you could say, great, I'm an evangelist. That changes the eternity of people's souls. You can rock all you want. Amen. Are y'all, are y'all hearing? Are y'all tracking with me here? Are y'all getting with the point that I'm trying to make? Listen, can you think of a greater way to spend your life 
than in service to God? Can you think of a better way to build a lasting legacy than the serving others and serving God by being the bridge that he uses to change somebody's eternity? I think there is no better way to live your life. I think when you get to the end of your life and you survey your life, you will never regret one person you served. You will never regret one life you reached out to. You'll be glad that you lived your life that way. Amen. It's a good way to spend your life. A third reason to invest your life in service to God is this. It helps prepare us for eternity. Listen, not only does spending your life serving God help others for eternity, it helps us. Hebrews 9, 27 says, as it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. You know, you don't get to die and come back as a bird. You die once. You die one time. It's appointed. It's an appointment we won't miss. We won't be late for. We're going to be right on time. There's an appointment for us to die once. And then after this is the judgment. At the end of our life, we're going to have to stand before God and give an account for our life. The Bible says in Romans 14, 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And the Bible warns unbelievers of the coming judgment for not serving God. In, in Romans 2, 8, it says, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live their lives, live lives of wickedness. But then the Bible also encourages believers concerning the heavenly rewards of faithfully serving God. Amen? In Hebrews or Ephesians 6, 8, it says, Remember, the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. See, at the end of our life, God is going to reward us who faithfully serve Him by reaching out and serving others. Now, you know, I think, you know, it's kind of hard to care about this. Like, man, I'm just glad to go to heaven. I mean, any place in heaven will be good for me. But listen, how many of you know that the good that we experience serving God here, if there's a reward on the other side, how much more will that be? Revelation twenty two twelve says, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Come on, how many of you know serving God by ministering to others prepares us for eternity? Remember when Jesus told that story about uh, the Son of Man coming and he's going to separate the sheep and the goats? Uh, let's, let's read it. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered at his presence and he will separate people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will place the sheep at his right and goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Do you realize that every time you do something good for somebody, 
It's like you just did it for the Lord. You know, the Bible says you got to be careful how you treat strangers because you might be entertaining an angel that doesn't look like an angel. You know what that helps us to do? Be sober. Be sober. Don't get calloused. Don't get too hard-hearted. Be compassionate because you never know when you just reached out and gave Jesus a glass of water. Amen? And he says, those that did, he's going to call you a sheep. He's going to say, hey, come on in. Let's celebrate. And then we're not going to read the rest of the story, but the goats, they didn't have no water to give away. They didn't have no clothes. They didn't have anything to, to reach out to others. And it wasn't, the outcome for them wasn't so good. See, every act of service towards others is really an act of service towards God. And God will reward us for faithfully serving Him. Amen? The fourth and final reason we should invest our life in service to God is it's truly the ultimate way of living. You know, the bottom line is there's no better way to live your life in service to God. It's the highest level of living. Jesus said it like this in Mark 8, 35. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. You know, you, you might look at other people that maybe have a lot more to you and say, man, it must be nice to be their life. But really, Jesus said the best way, the most, the highest level of living, the ultimate way to live your life is in service to God. If you're spending your life in service to God, you're going to experience life in its abundance, in, in a level of living like no other thing could. Amen. You all agree with that? So, so then the bottom line is, okay, so if we need to invest our life, if we're going to build a lasting legacy and build meaningful relationships and live our life in service to God, well, how do you do that? Well, let's talk about that and then we're going to go. If we really want to, our life to count, we need to make four commitments to investing our life in serving God. And the first one is this. First, commit to surrendering your will and your life to the Lord. Listen what Romans 12, 1, 2 said. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. How many of you agree God has done a lot for us? So he says, listen, I plead with you to give your life, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The way we worship God is giving our life to him. It's not singing a song or raising our hand. The way we worship God, you see, whenever you sing a song and lift your hand, it's a result of surrendering your life to Him. But true worship is surrendering your life to Him. It's surrendering your will to Him. It's giving your all. Listen, we didn't have to bring any doves or goats or anything and have an altar here and, and sacrifice them. Praise God for that. And burn their flesh, right? Because there was a sacrifice that was made already. His name is... Jesus. Amen. So thank God we didn't have to bring any sacrifices. But the Bible says this is the sacrifice God wants us to make. Not a turtle dove, not a pigeon, not a goat. He wants our lives. He wants our lives. That's the sacrifice he wants. Amen. So we need to, first of all, commit our lives in service to him. Two commitments every person in this room needs to make. First, commit your life to Jesus Christ. Give surrender. Be saved. Don't be in church and not be saved. You know, listen, I, I shudder to think that somebody would be in church day after day, week after week, 
and never surrender their life to God and they die and not make it to heaven. It's not going to church. It's surrendering your life to God. I plead with you today. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, do it today. Amen. Do it today. Don't chance another minute of your life on not being saved. But then number two, if you're already a Christian, you're not done. You got to commit your will to God. You got to hand it over. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know why the workers are few? Because there's people that want fire insurance, but don't want to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Come on, that's a tough saying right there, but it's right. Don't you agree? Come on, help me preach. Isn't that true? It's right. God has not called us just to be saved. He's called us to live for him, saints of God. He's called us to surrender it all. Everything we do, everything we're involved in, it all has to be in the shadow of what am I doing for Jesus Christ? Come on, I need a better amen than that. Come on, I need a better amen than that. That's the calling of God in our life. Amen. The second commitment that every one of us needs to make, not only just commit to surrendering your will and life to God, but number two, commit to stripping off the weights that are holding you back. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Strip off the weight. Sometimes we're held back by weights. Something's holding us back. Man, I would serve God, but man, you know, I got a lot going on in my life. I would, I would really, I would really serve God if, if, and then we fill in the blank. And it's a weight. It's a weight keeping us from running the race. And there's people in the grandstands that are saying, come on, run your race. Come on, run your race. If you got something holding you back, strip it off, cut it away, get it out, remove it from your life. It's like a rock in your shoe. Come on, you can't run your race with a rock in your shoe. Get the rock out. Amen. Strip it off. Sometimes we're held back by the weight of fear. Well, what are people going to think? The fear of people. The fear of man. Remember Saul. I just read this this week. Saul was appointed as king. And God gave him some instructions to the prophet. He said, go take out this, this people and don't spare anyone. And, and don't take any of the plunder. Get rid of everything. And he kept the king. And he kept some chosen animals. And so the prophet came back and said, Saul, why didn't you, why didn't you do what the, God wanted you to do? And he said, oh, I did. Man, the only one left in that whole tribe is the king. And we got a few little precious sheep and stuff. But man, we're going to sacrifice them and worship to God. And the prophet said, hey, Saul, God requires obedience more than sacrifice. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. He didn't ask you to bring back some sheep to sacrifice. He told you to get rid of everything. Why did you do it? What's the bleeding of the sheep? Why didn't you obey? And Saul said, I was afraid of what the people would say. There was the root. Some people are not giving their life in service to God because they're afraid 
of what people are going to say. Well, listen, nobody's going to be standing there whenever you get before God and give an answer for your life. Nobody's going to come next to you and say, but, but you know, the reason why is because they're they going to be as far away from you as they can. They're going to say, you're on your own, buddy. So come on, let's strip off fear and serve God. Amen. But here's another way. Selfishness. We're not willing to sacrifice our time or inconvenience to do something for God. And it's like a rock in our shoe. We should be running our race, but we're not. Remember the rich young ruler? You know, the, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and he said, well, keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. He said, all right. He said, go sell everything you got and then go follow, follow the Lord. And he went away sad because his selfishness was holding him back. Selfishness can be a weight that holds you back. What about inferiority? The weight of inferiority. That was Moses' problem. Moses, I want you to go deliver my people. But Lord, I can't talk. I'm a Cajun. That's the new Cajun translation. But you know, Moses tried to throw out a bunch of reasons why he couldn't. And so God's finally getting mad with him and say, all right, Moses, I'm going to give you Aaron. He's going to talk for you. But go do what I told you to do. But, you know, a lot of like Gideon, you know, he was hiding behind the wine press. I'm, I'm in the wrong tribe. Not me, man of valor. No way. And there's multiple people in the Bible. They felt inferior. But listen, they, we, we get our eyes off on the wrong thing. It's not about us. It's about him. Right? I mean, listen. We don't have to worry about the fact that we're just a, a hose pipe. It's his grace that flows through the pipe that makes the difference. Amen. We don't, we don't have to worry about the rest. All we got to do is be a willing vessel. So it's not about how gifted we are. It's about how anointed he is. Amen. And then finally, what about just sin itself? You know, I found this when people are are holding on to sin. They have no confidence in church or around church people or before God. You know why? Because you feel guilty. Because you feel condemnation. That's what Adam felt when they sinned. They went hiding. And sometimes we're not really running our race because we're holding on to sin. But Hebrews says, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Is there a sin holding us back? The sin, the spirit of offense, sexual immorality, rebellion, greed, whatever it is. Get rid of it so you can run your race. Amen. So we need to make a commitment today. We need to make a commitment to strip off every weight that's hindering us and run the race that God has set before us. How many of you know God's got a race for you to run? And it's different than everybody else's race. And none of us in this room can accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Don't worry about the size of it. Don't worry about the details of it. Just run your race. And when you finish running your race, he's not going to ask you how many laps you ran. He's going to ask you, were you faithful to run the race that I gave you to run? And if you're faithful to run the race God gave you to run, you have nothing to worry about. All you're going to be, all you're going to hear from him is saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Amen. 
Third commitment we need to make is commit to discovering our spiritual gift. In Hebrews 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. God has given each of you. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do not have, uh, do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. Now, everybody has been given spiritual gifts. <clears throat> Is that what, <clears throat> excuse me. Is that what it says? Is it, look, First Peter 4.10. God has given some of you a gift. Is that what it say? What it, does it say God has given each of you? Each of you. Each of us have given a spiritual gift. The problem is not everybody knows what their spiritual gift is. God has given us all a spiritual gift. Problem is not of us, not all of us who know what it is. And so, you know, you heard Pastor Kelly say on the announcements today that we have our Love, Grow, Reach classes. And one of the classes, you discover your spiritual gifts. You know why we do that? And, and all you, if you want to go to that class, you just fill out the registration card and there's a block there. Bring it into the resource center. We'll call you and remind you. It's four Wednesdays in a row. Uh, don't worry about it. if you have to miss one. You catch up next time. Why do we do that? Because we want you to run the best race that you can run for the glory of God. And we know that the, for you to run the race that God has you for you to run, you got to know how God wired you. You got to know how God gifted you. And, and so, you know, once you know that gift, then you need to use it. Amen. And that's the fourth commitment. After you've discovered your spiritual gift, then you need to employ it. You know, some people just learn their spiritual gift for the sake of learning their spiritual gift. But, you know, God don't give you a spiritual gift so you can, you know, can, you can use it on yourself. You can't, do you know you can't use your gift on yourself? I got the gift of prophecy. Todd, I prophesy to you. How many of you know I'm going to have a good prophecy if I prophesy to myself? Right? Right? But, you know, the gifts are given to minister to other people, right? So if you can get this, if you can get this, I believe that if we will start serving, once we learn our gift, start serving. You know, most people have the gift of helping. That's the vast majority of the population. And you know what I found? It's like before I really knew what any of my spiritual gifts were, You know, the Bible says to serve others. It's the greatest of all to serve one another, serve others. And what I found is if we'll just get the spirit of serving, just serving, towel over our arm. How can I help you? You know, the waitress, the waiter, can I help you with anything? Do you need water? If we'll just get the attitude of serving wherever we go, at work, in our neighborhood, at church, wherever we go, in our family, in our, in our home, everywhere we go, how can I serve you? If we will just get the attitude of serving, our spiritual gifts will begin to develop. And the more we serve, the more our gifts develop. If you're faithful with a little bit, God said, I'm going to give you more. Amen. And the more you serve, the more, listen, you know, years ago, whenever I started coming to church here, I I had no clue that I had been given a gift of pastoring. And I found out you got to have a gift of pastoring to pastor. Amen. That was a joke. 
<laughs> she just got it. Brenda just got it. But you know what? Listen, the gift of pastoring was on the inside of me. I had no clue. I was thinking about this today. I wonder what gifts are in this church that have not yet been developed because somebody hasn't yet started serving. I'm thinking that there are some dynamic gifts that God wants to use to reach people that would never be reached otherwise until you and I get out of the grandstands and get on the field and start running our race. Amen? And whenever it's all said and done, whenever we're laying in a wooden box, I believe there will be a host of people whose lives will be eternally changed and will have a sense of health and stability because of every little investment that we've made in our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, gang. We got one life to live. Let's live it out for the cause of Christ and leave a lasting legacy that our children and grandchildren will be able to stand on our shoulders and go further than we've ever thought and dream possible of going with the Lord. Amen. Are y'all willing? Come on. If you're willing, come on, stand up with me and say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Praise the Lord. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. Let's seal this thing. Come on, let's just seal this thing for a moment. Come on, I trust something I said today struck a card with you. Truth heard that's not applied is truth aborted. I trust you heard truth today. And I trust you're going to receive the truth today. And I trust, regardless of your mindset or your perspective in life, that you're going to change your perspective. Listen, don't live for yourself. It's the emptiest life you'll ever live. Live for others and live for God. It's the best life you'll ever live. And when it's all over, you'll be glad you did. Amen? Come on, let's pray together. Father God, come on, just right where you are. Just come on, offer your body, offer your life as a living sacrifice. Come on, are you going to let stubbornness hold you? Come on, are you going to let obstinacy keep you? Are you going to surrender? Come on, we laugh and we joke and say, you know, I'm just a hard-headed Cajun. You know what? God doesn't want any hard-headed Cajuns in his kingdom. He wants Cajuns that are submitted and surrendered to his cause and to his will. It's not something to brag about. It's something to lay on the altar and say, Lord, would you change me today? Would you help me today? Now, Father God, I pray that God, as I have just delivered this message in the, in the most passionate way that I know how, and the clearest I know how, God, I know that there's so much potential in this room. God, I know there's so many lives that can be changed because of the potential that's in this room. God, I pray that you would unlock that potential today, that you would release that potential today, and that, Lord, you would help us to cut out every weight holding us back. 
Lord, I pray today that God, you would cause your anointing and your power to be released over us in a powerful way. Thank you, God, for causing us and helping us to spend our days and our hours and our weeks, our months and our years in a way that will leave a lasting impact and touch lives for years to come long after we've gone. I pray in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed said amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Now it's time to go live it out. Amen. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray. But if not, have a great day.